So look, um, so 400 years ago, there was this terrible pandemic like there is now in Italy. And um, many people were dying and lots of mommies and daddies were dying. And um, so there was this lady, Rachel, named um, Virginia Centurione Bracelli. And she was, she was like a princess or a countess. And, um, but when she was really little, um, Ellie, not much older than you, when she was just a little bit older than you, her parents said, hey, um, you, you need to marry this guy. And she said, but I want to I be with Jesus. I don't want to be married I, I, to, to anybody else. I want to just give my life fully to Jesus. But they said, no, you got to marry this guy. So she married him, but he was a, he was a mean guy. He was, he was really not nice at all. And, and uh, he only lived about five years, and then he died because he was drinking too much. And, you know, he was just a bad guy. So he died. So then Virginia Centurione Bracelli she, instead of being a countess or a princess, she said, now, now I can just give my whole life for Jesus. And so when this pandemic, when this plague hit and people were dying and mommies and daddies were dying, she started taking the children into her house. And, and her house got so full of the children, the orphans, that she said, well, we need to go someplace else. So they found an old building that used to be a convent. And they just filled it with children. And people came and they started helping her take care of the children. And, and, and she, she took care of the children and she helped um, it got bigger and more children and more children until at the very end, and then at the, at the very end, she was very, very sick. And even when she was sick, she helped people. She helped make peace between people that were angry at one another. She helped people in the church and people in the government work together and be, be, be friendly. So she took care of the children and she helped uh, bring people who were angry together. And at the, and at the end of her life, she said, all disagreements are smoothed out and all difficulties are overcome when God is our only goal. So if we're going to uh, fulfill the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave us, we got to deal with our stinking thinking, don't we? Uh, come on. Come on. We got to deal with our stinking thinking. All right. So um, um, especially today because we, uh, we want to have the Lord's table together, sharing his body and blood, participating in his life uh, given for us. And we're continuing the, the sermon series in the Sermon on the Mount. And um, George is going to come and, and read uh, to us from Matthew 5, verses 21 to 26. So you may be thinking, this isn't George, this is, this is Pastor Nick. Well, you, you'd be right. The microphone didn't pick George up, so I'm going to read the passage for the recording here. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not murder, and whoever commits murder shall be answerable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be answerable to the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be answerable to the supreme court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Come to good terms with your accuser quickly while you are with him on the way to court so that your accuser will not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you will not be thrown into prison. Truly, I say to you, 
you will not come out of there until you have paid up the last uh, the last penny boy yeah we don't want to call anybody an empty-headed idiot <laughs> or like George said we shouldn't even think it right it's kind of like road rage <laughs> you know the Sermon on the Mount you know Jesus had just been healing people and casting out demons that's tiring work, you know, ministering to people, um, taking care of them, meeting their needs. You could ask uh, Kim over there, who's a nurse, all the time, having to deal with, with sometimes with difficult people, right, Kim? <laughs> Vicky? Where's Vicky? In the, In the nursery, yeah. So she gets to deal with little children instead of, yeah. So Jesus, you know, he, so he goes up the mountain and invites his disciples, his closest friends, to, to come with him. And he sits down. Now, this is very interesting. You know, I don't know how you, when you read Scripture, how you think. But sometimes I, I think about the setting a little bit, and I just wonder about it. He sits down. That's okay. Maybe he was tired. Maybe he wanted to draw them close, like, you know, the children up here. If I'd had the stool, I could have sat down and been a little closer to them. So, you know, he's got his disciples closest to, to him. And then he says things like, if your right eye causes you to sin, just gouge it out. Or, or, or if your right hand is causing you to sin, just cut it off. And, you know, that's not exactly um, intimate conversation. You know, that's not casually just, you know, saying, oh, how are you today? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, well, you know, if you call your brother an idiot, you're going to hell, you know. I mean, Jesus, it, it just... I just try to get into that setting, and it's, I can't imagine it, really. And then, and then he says, when you bring your gift to the altar. So that meant something to them because they were required at least three times a year to appear before God and never to come empty-handed. They always had to bring a sacrifice, a, you know, sheep or a goat or a bull or a turtle doves or meal offering, and, or they could share with other people if they were poor. That was okay, but they had to bring something to God. So when you, when you got up this morning, you probably brought an offering to God. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. How many of you said, oh, God, it's morning? No, no. You probably said, thank God. I'm alive. I'm awake, right? I, I get to breathe. Amen. Hopefully, okay, that's an offering to God. Good morning, Jesus. Or you go to bed at night. You're probably thinking back on the day and saying, wow, thank you, Lord. You, you saved me today. Uh, forgive me for that. Yeah, I called that guy an empty-headed idiot. Uh, forgive me, Lord. But so we come to God, hopefully all day, our hearts are disposed toward him, inclined to respond to him in the midst of things, difficult and good. I hope that's growing in us. That's, that's the, the, one of the marks of a follower of Jesus is that our heart is, is quickly disposed or turned toward him, and then we're looking for him. We, we see him. George is reading the scripture, and I'm yeah, Jesus, I hear you in that. Even watching a TV show sometimes or reading a book or um, looking in nature. Oh, my goodness. You, go, you just enjoy this beautiful day, and you think, thank God. So our hearts are disposed toward him. All of that's an opportunity to bring our offering to God. But then, then our conscience says, hey, what about Joe? Um, sorry? What do you mean, what about Joe? Yeah, well, you offended Joe. Yeah, well, it's his fault. If he wasn't such an empty-headed idiot, I wouldn't, you know. But he said, no, 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 you, 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 you want to talk to me and come close to me, but um, what about him? 
Maybe, maybe, maybe he's offended or hurt. And he can't come to me because you're in the way. I say, how am I in the way? I'm right here with you, God. No, 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 you're in, you're in his way because you've hurt or offended him and he's got a grudge against you. Well, Lord, what about my grudges against other people? He said, well, we'll deal with that. <laughs> we'll deal with that. You, you, you know, you're talking and you're speaking. Stop calling people names, insults, slurs. Okay, Lord. So I got to leave my gift at the altar and go and say, is there anything I've done to offend you or hurt you? Is there anything I can do to make it right? Please forgive me. Now, is there anybody in here who finds that easy to do? It's hard with a husband and wife, right? Husbands, it's your responsibility to initiate that conversation. Honey, did I do anything wrong? It's pretty obvious that she's angry. Yeah, right. So, um, I'm sorry. Um, what can I do to, to make it right? <laughs> Look. If I'm not right with my wife, my prayers are hindered, 1 Peter chapter 3. If I hold something in my heart against my brother, how can I say I love God when I don't love my brother, John wrote. This is the kingdom of God is us. It's not the rule or the law. It's us. So Jesus goes up the mountain like Moses went up the mountain. And Moses gets the law on stone. Jesus sits down and says, let's talk about your heart, guys. Let's just have a conversation here. What's really going on inside your, your heart? Do you have the right spirit? You have the right heart? Because we're going to talk about those same Ten Commandments, Right? Thou shalt not murder. Now, we, there's a difference, as we know, between murder and thou shalt not kill. So in Israel, obviously, they had um, lots of enemies. There were wars. There was capital punishment. So if I'm a soldier, whether it's under the old covenant or the new covenant, if I'm a soldier and I'm under orders, then I'm not murdering the enemy. If they're attacking me, I'm following orders, okay? But if I'm in the foxhole with my brother, the soldier, and the enemy's coming, and I'm angry at, at this, this soldier next to me, and instead of shooting the enemy, I turn around and I shoot him out of my anger, that's murder, right? Because what was in my heart was was totally unrighteous, totally wrong, and it's disobeying commands. Friendly fire, no, it's not, not an accident. That was intentionally wanting harm to cause to somebody else, and that will get us into trouble. So unpacking these verses a little bit in Matthew 21 to 26, there's two progressions of three. One is if I'm angry with my brother or sister, I'm already headed to judgment. Now, Jesus has gone through the Sermon on the Mount, and he's saying, look, I want to expose what's underneath. You could keep the law. You could obey the Ten Commandments, but still have wickedness in your heart. So he says, well, let's unpack it a little bit. Let's go under, un, under there because you're going to be under judgment if you're holding stuff against your brother. And when I say, un, when he's talking about them coming under judgment, what he means is, you're already judged. And you want, to get, you want to get free from the judgment. Everybody say, I want to be free from the judgment. 
you know, it's like in the Lord's Prayer, we say, deliver us from evil, lead me not into temptation. Literally, one of the interpretations is, keep me from the hour of trial. Keep me from the hour of when I am coming before the judge guilty. With, so I want to be cleansed of that. I don't want to come into God's presence and be judged because I am holding guilt in my heart. Got it. So I, wanna, I don't want to be under judgment. So all the insults that I, I feel and say and think, like you empty-headed idiot, I'm liable to the council, to, the, to those who have the power to judge. In those days, Sanhedrin. And, and then the third thing there when he says, if you call somebody a fool. Now, what, what I believe that that actually would apply is this way. To actually condemn somebody in my heart or my mouth as if they... I, is if I was to say or think, go to hell. That's literally what I think that meant. Because when you look at the, the, the word, and I'm no Greek scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but, but there's this contemptuous um, denunciation of a person like they're an apostate, like they're an unbeliever, like they don't belong in the house of God. They don't belong with us. And, to, and to, to declare that against somebody is very dangerous to our own salvation. Could, could you hear what I'm saying? And we do it. We do it. I mean, the church does it. We say, oh, that group over there or that person over there. Do you, you don't understand what I'm saying. God, forgive us. So, look, we don't want to be angry without uh, we, unrighteously because there is, let's face it, there is there's just cause for anger, there's righteous anger, and there's things that, that uh, need to be done, but we can talk about that later. Uh, the insulting of people, the prejudice toward them, the, the calling people uh, such a name that, that would, 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 um, would denounce their ability to believe in God or, or follow him or be righteous. Now, then he goes on and he has three other things he says to them. If somebody has a legitimate offense against you, go and reconcile with them before you act like you're right with God or their appeal to God may progress into you coming before the judge and the judge can turn you over to the guard and the guard can put you in prison, and you will not get out until you pay in full. Romans 13 says, Own man, owe no man anything except to love, because love fulfills the payment. So here's the deal. Jesus is talking about both of us, me, and, you know, I got this tendency to, to say things I shouldn't say and be angry in my heart, but, and then, but then I've hurt or offended somebody, maybe, and I need to go to them so that, they are also not having anger in their heart toward me. Does that make sense? If I free them, I free me. If I keep myself in the prison of resentment, judge, guard, prison. If I'm in the prison of resentment because I'm holding an offense against that person, then I'm in trouble. And that person is still probably stumbled in their faith toward God. Does that make sense? No? So, see, see, what I'm trying to say is, if you love other people, you'll deal with not only your own hurts and offenses toward them, but you'll help them be free from their offenses or hurts toward you. That's what I'm trying to say. And I think that's what Jesus is saying. Now, he got all that out of, thou shalt not kill. Isn't that incredible? He got all that out of, thou shalt not kill. 
Oh, and there's more. Well, you read the rest of Matthew 5. He talks about, you know, how you, how you should love your enemies, but I'm not going there today. All right, so, so um, throughout his sermon, Jesus is contrasting the familiar laws of the old covenant with the new covenant and kingdom of God, which has the focus on our heart, attitude, intention. And his purpose, again, is that we would judge ourselves in order to come into freedom from those responses and reactions in all the things that the law commanded us not to do or be because he wants us to be free from punishment. It's like the song we sang. Um, He's for you. God is for us. He's not against us. He doesn't want you to live under judgment. He doesn't want you in the prison. He wants you free from the things that are inside. So these laws, these, these, uh, the, and the application that Jesus is making in the Sermon on the Mount expose us to these, these reactions that are still in there. So it's not about the law, it's about love. Now, we may not want to bring an offering to God. There are times when we don't feel like praying, reading the Bible, being disposed toward him. We're offended at God. You've never felt that probably. Nervous laughter going through the room. Um, There's times I just don't feel like offering him anything except maybe, you know, what the psalmist would say sometimes. Where are you? Why don't you come down? Rend the heavens. Why have you left us? Why are you so far off? I mean, the psalmist, the prophets, they had a relationship with God. They could be honest and truthful. Now, Jesus is trying to deal with that thing in us when we might not want to be reconciled with our brother and we don't want to do the hard work of going to them. So Jesus said, well, you don't want to be, you know, come before the judge. You know what? You're always on your way to the judge. Because James said the judge is standing at the door. You may not want to go on your way to Jesus, but you, we are all on our way to the judge. Every time I open the word, I'm on my way to the judge because it's the mirror of God revealing what's in my heart if I allow him to do it. Do you hear what I'm saying? The sword of the spirit discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's literally like a little dagger that goes in there. Ow! <laughs> right? No, no, I want to point, it's George is the problem. <laughs> and, and the word is saying, no, 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 it's you. <sighs> yes, it's me. So I, 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 I've, got to, I've got to deal with that which is being manifested in me. So here's just a couple of, actually seven, because, you know, we like, preachers like seven list of seven things. So here's seven seven practical applications. All right, number one, deal with anger while it's a little seed before it grows into resentment and, and hatred and judgment against our brother. Deal with it quickly. 
while you are on the way. Go first. So deal with the seeds of anger, all right? Uh, number two. Pray. Prayers like this. Here's a prayer, an ancient prayer from the uh, Orthodox tradition of prayer. Prayer at the beginning of the day. Oh, Lord, grant me to greet the coming day in peace. Help me in all things to rely upon your holy will. In every hour of the day, reveal your will to me. Bless my dealings with all who surround me. Teach me to treat all that comes to me throughout the day with peace of soul and firm conviction that your will governs all. In all my deeds and words, guide my thoughts and feelings. And in unforeseen events, let me not forget that all are sent by you. Teach me to act firmly and wisely in here without embittering and embarrassing others. Without embittering and embarrassing others. Give me the strength to bear the fatigue of the coming day with all that it shall bring. Direct my will and teach me to pray. There's another, there's another phrase in that um, morning prayer and it goes like this. Save, O Lord, and have mercy upon all those who envy and affront me and who do me mischief. And then it, it has a blank and it says names. <laughs> and it says, do not let them perish through me, a sinner. So deal with the seeds of anger and pray at the beginning of the day, preparing yourself for those offenses that will come, those opportunities. Number three, guard against a critical spirit. Have you ever been aware when you had a critical spirit? Well, I mean, I do. Sometimes, you know, sometimes my wife will say, are you aware that you have been especially irritable lately? And I'll say, no, I'm not. <laughs> not me. Um, a critical spirit. Sometimes it's just like, you know, sometimes I'll go several days and I'm just like, you know, if somebody says black, I want to say white. I, I don't know what that is. A negative expectation of others. Do you ever find yourself expecting the worst of somebody? Well, I knew that would happen. Well, yeah, they're not going to get it right. They're going to do it wrong. Oh, my goodness. My wife and I try to correct ourselves, correct each other on that because that is so dangerous. They're just lame. They're, not, they're never going to get it right. That's, that's cursing somebody. So we have to guard against that kind of familiarity that breeds contempt. So, so deal with the seeds. Deal with it soon, quickly. Pray at the beginning of the day, asking God to help you not embarrass and embitter others. And, and the third thing is deal with a critical or negative spirit toward other people. Don't let that. Remember, you owe them a debt, and it's called love. Oh, no man anything except love. Love fills the debt. Now, number four, be angry but sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the enemy a stronghold, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. That's a, that's a good one. Don't, you know, um, in marriage, they, the old saying is don't go to bed angry. You know, try to, try, uh, unless they need a timeout, try to deal with it. Have that conversation. Don't, don't go to bed. You know, I, I just hate that when I, I get into bed and all of a sudden somebody that I'm angry at is there with me in bed. You know, get out of my bed. What are you doing? Get out of my room. Get out of my house because they're in my head. 
No more thinking, stinking, stinking, stinking to sin and do what's wrong. So I'm right. So I said, oh, God, I don't, I don't want so-and-so to be with me right now. I want to be with you. But maybe I need to pray for them. I don't know. Change my attitude toward them. Yeah, I know. I should do that. All right. So, so don't let the sun go down on your anger. You'll sleep better if you get rid of that. Again, because remember, unforgiveness ties you to that person. It binds you together under judgment. So don't, don't, don't let that spirit of revenge, you know, get in you. All right, number five, there are necessary boundaries. Recognize when I need to have a boundary between me and this person because uh, it's, uh, it's just not safe. This relationship is toxic. You, you know there are relationships that are toxic. And, and you just need to be able to say, I can't be with you right now. I, um, I, I can't, we can't have this conversation right now. Uh, I would love to be with you, but not in this kind of context or mood. So there are times, there are necessary endings and necessary boundaries. So deal with the little seeds, guard against a critical spirit, pray in the morning, and don't let the sun go down on your anger. Number five, recognize when you need uh, necessary boundaries. Number six, healing comes when I exchange believing the worst about somebody with the assumption of goodwill. If we could cultivate the assumption of goodwill towards people, our perspective on life changes. If I assume the best... 1 Corinthians 13, believe the best and keep no record of wrongs. It changes how I perceive life and how I respond and react. So cultivate the assumption of good will because even evil people can be used by God to do good things. Can you say amen? And pray for them. This is not um, just um, ideas that I got out of this wonderful book by Bob Mumford in chapter uh, what? Chapter <laughs> four. No, 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 no. Chapter five. Chapter five on the law of anger. And look, we got some more. We got some more of these in wonderful books. I could have just read to you the chapter, but um, I think you can do that on your own. Now, so. Look, um, this isn't just the next message. I asked if I could have this one because God's really been dealing with me about this. <laughs> How vulnerable should I be? <sighs> I'm really ashamed to admit this before you. But um, somebody did something to hurt me because they were hurt in their mind by me. You understand? They're hurt by something I did or did not do. And so I'm hurt because, you know, the way they're acting toward me. So nine months went by without any interaction. Now, it's not anybody I ever see, but, but it, there could have been interaction I'm, I'm just ashamed to even admit that. What I did was I just closed my heart. Do you ever do that? Because I just feel it's just safer if I don't even. But here's the thing. Almost every single day, 
I forgive you. Lord, I pray for them. That was going on. I just didn't want to have anything to do with them. Does that make sense? And then, and then, so here I am. Yeah, if your brother has anything against you, they, what? No, no, that's not what this means. This does not apply to me. Oh, yes, it does apply to me. So, I, so you know, so I, I have been in the process of reaching out, sending little texts, you know, just saying, I love you, you know, I, I, I speak peace to you, whatever. And uh, there's no response. But see, I have to do that. Does that make sense? I have to do that. That's my responsibility. Because here's what happens. You know, you, you know, we have a single faucet with two handles, hot and cold, right? Do you have that at home, hot and cold? Okay. So I, I want warm water. I put a little cold and a little hot together, right? Now, what, what happens if I turn off the hot completely? All I'll ever get is what? Cold. Now, the things that are hot inside me, stirring up anger, offense, hurt, if I repress those, all I'm going to get is my heart's going to get cooler and cooler and cooler until I'm just cold. And then I don't feel anything. It doesn't matter how much I try to bring to the altar. I'm not going to feel anything. Does that make sense? Well, I'll sing the song, but there's no tears. I'll read the word, but there's no conviction. I'll, I'll speak to other people about God's love, but I don't feel it. So I, I have to allow the hot faucet to be on and expose what's in there. That's the only way I'm going to get free. So I've got to humble myself and reach out, receive correction, speak love, love the other person. That's what I've got to do because buried pain and suppressed memory will stifle my intimacy with Jesus Christ. So number seven is 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation. Love is large and incredibly patient, <laughs> which, which I am not. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect. You idiot. It does not selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Oh, my goodness. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates reality, honesty, the truth. It finds no delight in what is wrong. In fact, keeps no record of wrong. That's a tough one because we tend to keep a memory, don't we, of what people have done wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter. I love that. Love is a safe place of shelter because it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as a defeat. It never gives up. Love never stops loving. Deal with the little seeds. Pray in the morning. Don't allow a critical or negative expectation of others or spirit familiarity to grow in you. 
do good out of the energy that comes from righteous anger. But don't get caught in the trap of narcissistic anger that is just self-protective and they did this to me and, and um, just don't let your son go down on anything like that. Five, necessary boundaries. Six, exchange believing the worst for the assumption of goodwill. And seven, love. Questions or comments? Susie prayed. We were praying in the in the room before. By the way, that's uh, that's that little multi-purpose classroom. There is a is a nice place to go pray. We want to um, cultivate the the presence of prayer in there so uh, people can go in any time. It's pretty much always open. Put maybe a place for prayer requests. Uh, maybe have some candles in there. If you want, if that's something that appeals to you and you'd like to participate in that, let us know. Maybe, maybe God would uh, want you to help set it up, pl plan it. But anyway, um, Susie prayed this morning, Oh Lord, just... Um, work through Dwight's brokenness today. <laughs> well, I don't really want to be broken. I don't really want to get up there and, you know, <laughs> I'm a terrible person, and Jesus, but he loves you. You know, that's not really what brokenness is. You, you understand that. That's just, that could be just me feeling sorry for myself, right? Making it all about me. This is brokenness. This is brokenness, right? This is brokenness. He loves us so much that he gave himself for us. This is brokenness. So if somebody has something against you, unless it's a toxic relationship and you know that it's, uh, you have to have a boundary between you and them, if there's any way you can speak the peace of Christ to them, if there's any way you can release them, let them go and say, hey, I want to be, be forgiven if I've hurt you or harmed you in any way, do it. Do it. Do it in your heart now. Write a text. Write a note right now. Get, get ready so when you receive the body and the blood, you get the full grace of Jesus Christ in you. Because that's why he died. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen to the New Covenant Fellowship podcast. We want to connect with you. You can visit us online at ncfokc.org for more information about our church. If God spoke to you and you'd like prayer, please text us at 405-518-5164 and we will get back with you. God bless and have a great day.